Hello, folks, and welcome to the Dan K Show presents junior hockey. In kind of a nutshell here, we kind of talk about junior hockey, we kind of talk about college hockey, and then we talk about everything in between. But before we can get started with that, I have to introduce the man behind the name of the show, the Dan K himself. Dan, how you doing today? Lucas, it, it, every time you introduce me in, I, I feel like my head gets a little bit bigger. Uh, I'm excited to be introduced into this one. I'm excited to be on an audio-only podcast. Going to save a lot more money on my wardrobe this offseason. I don't have to get dressed up. Do not have to pop on a bow tie. I tell you, I am comfortable as all heck out here, ready for this podcast. And we're launching this thing this week. We have our first episode, and we have the cast here. We have the first two names. Lucas and I made a list of everyone we wanted to talk to. And these are two guys who have been great to us throughout our time in the hockey world. Two guys who are champions, born and bred, and they are right now putting together two of the most successful junior hockey programs in the country. We start with a man from the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs organization, a champion behind the bench, a champion in the recruiting world, a man that we just saw recently coaches and general manages potentially the most successful advancement placement organization in the country. It's Ryan Frew of the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. How's it going, Coach Frew? Doing very well, Dan and Lucas. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, we're happy to have you. And then I go to the next guy. And this is a guy who, you know, me and him, we've had a good rivalry here through my time in the NCDC. He's 2-0 and against me in All-Star Games. He has punished me twice. We each year do a, a bit of a challenge between Lucas and I. And Coach Hankel has been the coach of Lucas's squad each time, 2-0 and against me, a professional career that involved a gazillion goals. This is a Jersey guy, so he gets our sarcasm. He understands Lucas and I and where we come from out of Hazlitt, New Jersey, a guy who finished his playing career in his home state, putting up 40-plus points a year. It's Jim Hankel of the Connecticut Junior Rangers. Coach Hankel, how you doing? Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be on the show. Um, you got to learn how to uh, pick your horses better. <laughs> hey, that's why I stopped going to the track. I can tell you that much. It's uh, <laughs> the amount of programs that I ripped up and threw out the window. It's It's been a rough time at the horse track, but it's been a better time in the hockey world. And before we start the show, I look to my left and I introduce my left-hand man, Mike Consiglieri, Mon Frere from Another Mayor, the technical director, head of HR, head of householding for the Dan K Show. It's Lucas Jones. What's going on, Lucas? Thanks, Dan. Uh, this is uh, this is this is fun. I think we've had uh, a lot more people who've been wanting a, a Dan K Show in audio form only, especially considering the outreach, the ridiculous outreach that we've had in just the last twenty-four hours of people who are excited to uh, to hear what we've got to say. We've got a lineup of 50-plus guests right now already set up. We've only announced the show exists for eight hours. So that <laughs> is what is happening right now. There is a line at the door. Before we start talking with both coaches, we start our free skate. We have our conversation. Lucas, uh, we're going to be doing some reviews. And, and one of the things that hockey parents, hockey people know on the road is that coffee and sometimes some libations, that's what keeps you going. And first, we start on the coffee side. I've got today's coffee for today's show, and it's brought to you by World Atlas Coffee. World Atlas Coffee, you can subscribe online at worldatlascoffee.com. Each month, you get a coffee from somewhere around the world. This this time for me, 
My coffee's from Burundi. I didn't know it existed, Lucas. I had no <laughs> clue what or where Burundi was from, but it's a coffee with a, a little bit of a bourbon taste to it, some orange juice and milk chocolate, and it goes down easy. What I would suggest to the folks at home, you want to get bougie with it, little cashew milk on top. It is one of a kind. I rate this one. We've done our coffee rankings all year at each rink we've gone to, Lucas. This is an 8.1 out of 10. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to make sure I, I try some the next time I'm over at your place. And, uh, you know, the next time I come over and Dan, you've, you've actually just discovered this, this brewery as well. They're doing home delivery currently. It's, uh, it's Ghost Hawk Brewing up in, uh, up in, in Clifton in North Jersey, kind of a, a couple of stones throws away from the, the Ice Vault Arena, but uh, I'm drinking the Raven Dark from them. And this is a, a beer that's on tap from them quite a bit. Um, they kind of use it as a baseline for all their other stouts, 7.2% alcohol, some earthy notes, a little bit of a smoky note, very dry, kind of right up my alley in terms of dark stouts. I really like this one because it's kind of in the middle of that ABV range, not too low, not too high, but it's really, really tasty. And you can have, uh, you can have a couple of them without having to worry about yourself. Hey, I just ordered mine today, Lucas. I've got a couple crowlers coming over to me. Ghost Hawk Brewing. Go to ghosthawkbrewing.com. You can get your home delivery at ghosthawkbrewing.com. Tell you what, they'll bring it right to your doorstep. Nothing like that. No, it's, it's been great. And, and, you know, been great to continue to support small businesses, uh, not just, you know, for the next few weeks, Dan, but, uh, I think it's one thing we try to do on the road is support as many local businesses as we can. Speaking Lucas of support, speaking of the road, speaking of the game of hockey, it's time to get into the first segment of each week's show, which is the free skate. It's just time to chat. It's time to talk it up. And I'm going to start with coach Fru here. The conversation I want to have with you I was digging around Facebook. We're Facebook friends. We're Facebook a fish, Coach. And I saw a little bit of – you're losing your mind here with the GM practice not being there for you with all the stoppage with COVID-19. <laughs> you started some transactions in the neighborhood. Can you talk to the folks at home about some of the trades you're working on right now? Sure. I'd be happy to. I actually think <laughs> it's sharpened my brain and, and uh, is really helping me get some of these things put together. The first, the first deal that went down – uh, I have a, a, a good family friend, um, long time that they have a place up in Maine that they've kind of, you know, been a little bit more secluded up there. Uh, and they just haven't been able to get their hands on any toilet paper. So, uh, we were lucky enough to have an extra, an extra eight or 10 rolls and they happened to be making some adult, uh, pudding shots. And I thought that <laughs> it was beneficial for both sides and, uh, you know, we social distance and exchanged from the porch, but had a good laugh about it with some good people. That's a great time. I'll tell you it, some of the, some of the stories you're starting to see out of this. I also saw you guys had your family had a nice message for, uh, for the neighborhood there that you wrote in chalk on the street, trying to keep everyone's spirits up. Can you, can you tell us about that a little bit as well? Yeah, that was kind of cool. That's my, uh, my eight year old Seamus. Uh, he was outside. We have these recesses, which by the way, homeschooling for a third and fourth grader, uh, not as easy as I would have thought it would be. Uh, I will say that I, I excel at recess and lunchtime for sure. Uh, coming off a huge win this morning, we do a lot of street hockey. I'm, I improved my record to 19 and all. I'm feeling pretty good about that against an eight year old and a 10 year old. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he went outside for recess one day, and uh, I just kind of watch him out in the in the yard. Uh, and then he gets down, and he's scribbling with some chalk. And 
kind of let him do his thing. And, you know, when he's done, I walk out there more so to make sure that there's no obscenities or, or, <laughs> or bad pictures that shouldn't be showing up in front of my house. And uh, he had written this really nice message. Um, you know, we're all in this together, signed the Fru family. And I thought he spoke from his heart. And it was really nice to see that, uh, you know, we might be doing something right some of the time. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's awesome to see that. And and that, oh, that goes into your coaching career as well. I mean, we we get a chance. One of the best things Lucas and I get to do week in and week out throughout the season is meet the guys on your rosters, whether it's Coach Hankel's roster, whether it's your roster out there in New Hampshire. And you meet the team and you get to know who the player is behind the scenes when you're off camera. We get to see who they become when you put them in front of a camera on a microphone. And one thing about both of your organizations is you're not just raising a hockey player. These are guys that are going from boyhood to manhood on these rosters, and they are getting prepared not just for the next level, but life. And and you see a message like that coming from an eight-year-old in your household. You can imagine what the what the mantra is and, and what's being created in the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs locker room when you're there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think culture is the, one of the most important things that you can have. And these guys are all going to go on at some point to do things outside of hockey, and they're going to have to be, you know, good fathers and good husbands. And I think instilling those values in them, you know, at a young age is something that uh, is, you can't really put a price tag on it. And if we can make them better people, it's just as important uh, to me than, than when we're trying to make them better hockey players. Now, Coach Hankel, I mean, we look at your side of things here. We look at this Connecticut Junior Rangers team. We're going to get into your success behind the bench. But I want to talk about, we talked about the success that you both have in creating the next, the, the future of not just the hockey world, but the world itself with the guys that you're, you're working with in your locker rooms. I also see you on a day-to-day basis. I know I joked with you before this, and we were talking about, you've got your, your gym set coming to the house right now because... The inspirational workout videos, the day in and day out you're putting in, Coach Ankle. Talk to me a little bit about that because I can guarantee you this. The player wants to run through a wall for a coach that's out there putting that kind of work in day in and day out. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. Um, like I was saying before we came out, it was about a, about a year ago. Um, you know, I, We went through a grind. We, we had a really successful run last year um, You know, and, and ultimately – uh, came up short in the end, but the reality of the situation was I saw how much effort and time my guys had to put in uh, to doing what they did to get to that run. And um, unfortunately for me, at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, everything was run off of adrenaline and, and emotion. Uh, I had nothing left in the tank. And, um, you know, for us as a program, if we want to be there every year, I need to have a little bit more in the tank than just adrenaline and emotion. And, just kind of went and came home from vacation and started a little bit by a little bit. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I had a read an article uh, not too long ago, and uh, we all remember Rod Ridmore when he played. Uh, the guy still gets after pretty hard in the gym, and read some comments from some of his players that played for him and play for him now. Um, you know, and when when a coach can get done some of the things he's asking you to do. Uh, it makes you push a little bit harder. And, you know, when, when I talk with my guys and, um, you know, we have practice, they know what days are good days and what days are bad days based on what kind of video they see coming into a day that training is hard. They know it's going to be a hard day for them. Um, and, and it's, it's helped me. It's, it's gone, uh, through the locker room pretty good. Uh, guys, uh, guys buy in, 
um, when I ask them to do something and I can do it, uh, it, it gets a little bit more uh, pull in the locker room and we've seen a benefit this year from it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's something that comes from playing a game, right? And, and being in a locker room and, and seeing what it was like to play. Everybody knows that coach that isn't bought in, right? And you, you've had it at some point in your career, whether it's when you're a mite, whether it's in the junior hockey level, or it's in the college world or in the professional world, it's you can see it, you feel it, and it's tough to sell out. It's tough to run through that wall. But coach, another thing you do, we talk about that that day-to-day and how having to put in, by the way, you stole the Rod Brindamore from me. I had it up on my screen here, ready to go with it from the Spit and Chicklets when they released that. But you, you have a word of the day. And I know we talked about this last year. We talked about this a few times as I've seen you on the road. You've kind of let me know your word of the day. Do you have one today for us, or have you had a word recently that's been been a word that's kind of stuck in your craw there? Uh, I actually had one the other day. Hold on. Let me pull it up. <laughs> See, this is it. Lucas, you would love this. I mean, this is right up your alley. <laughs> I, I had one the other day. I got to find it. Give, give me a minute to find it because it was a good one. I was Got you minute. thinking about you guys when it came in <laughs> and as it came in. And then of course, Lucas had sent me a text. Hey, do you want to be involved in this? I just got to go back and find it. Now you go ahead, Lucas. I, I talked to you. You're smart. Let me put you on the spot. Give me a, <laughs> You're an SAT teacher. Give me a word for the young guy at home right now. That's watching. What, what's a useful word to have kind of a, a, in your, in your vocabulary every day. We're trying to teach these guys. Education matters. A lot of these schools <laughs> are shut down. We got to keep things rolling. Uh, let me see here. Well, I mean, so it's interesting and it's interesting because a lot of the current, um, educational stuff that, that we deal with is not so much the individual vocabulary words, but learning the, actually the prefixes and suffixes of words. Um, so you talk about a word like you, you had said you had just learned where Burundi was, or you didn't know at the time. So geography, right? So you talk about the ending of ography as being a word that includes, you know, the mapping of um, a certain aspect. So we teach a lot of prefixes and suffixes now. Some of that even gets into like the Latin aspects of it. So if you're studying for SAT, ACT words, vocabulary is helpful. Reading books above, you know, above a level is good, but is no substitute for just putting in the time and learning the prefixes and suffixes that make up our language. You lost me a prefix and suffix. <laughs> I, I somehow have made it into this world, into a world that involves using a vocabulary, using words that I'm still unsure if I'm using them correctly. And, and it's it's amazing that I've lasted this long doing. <laughs> well, you know, you just you give it a shot. That's on the radio, and on the radio, <laughs> you think your vocabulary would be this uh, extraordinary feat. Oh, it is not. The best thing I got is the word schadenfreude, which is a German term for joy in the misery of others. That That's my favorite <laughs> one right there. And I will live by that one. I it, It's like every time I get to watch the Bruins or the Red Sox lose, Coach Brew, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful time for me. Schadenfreude for me every day. <laughs> doesn't happen that often. <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. I will tell you, I had a little schadenfreude when uh, Tom Brady made his trip down to Tampa to go get sunshine and live in Derek Jeter's house. I don't blame it. That place is sick, by the way. That house is great. Oh, man. Jeets has it set up there. He, uh, No phones, though, allowed. But, Coach Ankle, do you have that word for us yet? Transpicuous. Transpicuous. Okay. And it means? Uh, transparent. Interesting. Easily, easily understood. Uh, and I <laughs> think uh, Coach Fru and I uh, are kind of on the same ideology of this is uh, 
we love players that are transparent. We, we don't like any secrets. We don't like any skeletons in the closet. We like kids that come out every day, lay it on the line. Um, you know, and, and when we see kids that are open, forthcoming and do that, uh, those are kids that are not only uh, going to do well in, in the game of hockey, uh, but those are also guys that are going to do really well in life. Uh, Ryan was talking about it earlier about you know, the makeup of you know, the locker room. Um, you know, there, there's nothing uh, more important, in my opinion, uh, kind of piggybacking off of Coach Fru here, uh, is the locker room dynamic. You know, and if it's transparent and they're open and they're honest and they do as they say they're going to do, uh, their growth off the ice becomes a tremendous uh, aspect that everybody sees first and foremost. Uh, when they go back to their respective homes. And that's just as important as a coach, knowing that you've done right by them off the ice as much as you've done for them on the ice. Well, that's a, that's a perfect transition into the real meat of the show now. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's start talking hockey. Let's start digging into two of the best minds in the game of junior hockey right now. Lucas... I always love to run the free skate. I'm going to let you start this thing off, get this thing underway, and I am going to turn off my Outlook email, Lucas, because yet again, I found a way to get a chime into the show. <laughs> it wouldn't be the Dan Kane show without a, a laptop chime from Dan. I'm a busy, I'm a busy man. I get, I get about 200 emails a day here, and, and it's, uh, it never stops. <laughs> so let's start with a, a question for Coach Fru. Uh, Coach, you're competing in a market right now that is has undergone a lot of changes. This New Hampshire, Northern Massachusetts, even now expanding up into Maine and the surrounding international areas. This market has gone through a lot of changes. And through those changes, it has emerged sort of seemingly more creative than ever. Um, so what is it like to be in that market? How do you succeed in that market? Um, you know, what's the pulse up there? Yeah, so it's a great question. It's it's certainly uh, very competitive, and it's it, and in fairness, it's it's an oversaturated market too. I mean, with the the teams that are around here um, are doing a good job. You know, the the Northern Cyclones, uh, even teams from outside of our our league, uh, the Avalanche have done a, a fantastic job putting uh, players into college. There's no dogs around us, so it's like I think one of the nicest things is that it makes you fiercely competitive and it really draws the, the best part out of you in terms of, you know, recruiting and being innovative in, in your training and offering things that, you know, the other programs aren't offering. It, I, I believe that that competition is one of the things that keeps us at the top because uh, we've, you know, just been lucky enough to, to have other guys pushing us. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, you, you do get some guys that move back and forth. You, you know, you get some teams that that sort of go through these ups and downs. You know, what is, how do you kind of get the message then out of that area, too, to try to attract players from other areas of the country to come up to New Hampshire? Well, see, I'm a firm believer that your players are your best recruiters. Uh, I think if you have guys that are happy and they've had success and, and we continue to lead uh, the country in college placements, those players within your locker room have an out, um, unbelievable network of other players and friends and people within the sport that kind of help draw uh, you know, some of the top talent in here. As long as you provide a good experience, 
uh, and make sure that you're offering everything that you say that you are and you're honest about the things that you're doing uh, and the things that you know, you've told people when you deliver on them, then I think that word travels. And, and like I said, those players that are in your room become the, the best recruiters you could have. Exactly. Now, Coach Henkel, I mean, kind of on along the same vein, you know, you uh, have obviously created a, a successful organization and been a part of that organization at the Connecticut Junior Rangers, uh, perennial title contenders at the NCDC level. Um, so what's your perspective on recruiting on bringing in, you know, local guys, not just local guys, but, you know, guys from all over the country to come play for you. Ryan's right. Um, the, the best recruiters are your players, um, past, present, um, you know, kids that you interact with, how you interact with them. Um, but for us, it's, it's been the outreach. Um, we, we've been able to get into different markets um, with the NCDC being a tuition-free market. Uh, we've been able to kind of jump in on different markets, whether it's overseas, um, not this year, but past year, I had a couple kids that played in the BCHL, wanted to get out east, uh, showcase themselves out east. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the the proximity to New England, having that many Division One and Division Three schools uh, where we're playing an ample amount of games, I think is important. I think the competitive environment within the league is important um but i also feel that you know it's it's the coaches in the league too it's not just uh you know it's not just the teams or or the league name i think the coaches within the league get what we're trying to do we've found a really good niche where we're competitive on a weekly basis um but i think for for me in particular uh it's just been the outreach um we've gone into markets that we never would have gone into uh we've we've found homes uh collegiately for some kids that may not have found homes which has opened some doors uh for us to get involved with some other kids um and and it's been good it's been interesting uh especially now but it's uh the market is wide open and how deep do you want to get yourself into it you're listening to the dan k show podcast to find out more about the Dan K Show, go to www.dankshow.com or go to at the underscore Dan K Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's www.dankshow.com or at the underscore Dan K Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, jumping in here, I mean, this is this is a question for both of you. Obviously, COVID-19 put an end to the NCDC season prior to the postseason being played. Coach Frew, Coach Hankel, you were both on different sides of it. Coach Hankel, you were in a battle all year for home ice in the postseason in that first round. Coach Frew, you had a team that at times looked like the best team in the league. At times, you were scratching your head wondering, what are these guys doing? You got yourself into the back end of the playoffs with a chance to take on the top-seeded hitmen on the road. You know, what was the vibe in the room? Coach Frew, I guess we'll start with you here. I mean, as a team that battled their way in all the way to the last few minutes of overtime, not knowing if they'd get a chance in the postseason to earn that eighth seed and see the season end the way it did, what was what was the vibe amongst the team, amongst yourself, amongst the organization? Well, well, first, I think it's important to recognize that I think you know the league obviously made the right call, and it wasn't an easy one for for anybody. Um, and probably an appropriate time to say thank you to the healthcare workers and, and first responders as well. Um, they're kind of the, the real heroes in this whole thing right now. But, 
you know, when it came down to it and, and we, you know, we got the, the phone call that this thing wasn't going to happen, the playoffs weren't going to go on, you know, at first you're just devastated because of all the time, the effort, the energy, the, you know, even the money, there's just so many things. And, and then you shift kind of into feeling bad for like the last year players and not even like my age out guys. You think about like the college seniors that don't, you know, didn't get to finish their careers. And, you know, that, that, that was the toughest part. We thought that, you know, we really had a chance to win the, the league with this team. And, 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 you know, for an eighth seed to say that, um, you know, we loved the matchup to play the hitman. And I don't think there were many teams in the league that, that would say that, but we, for whatever reason, we kind of had their number and, and we were really hoping to avoid the Bruins, if I'm being honest with you, because I, they kind of had ours and I, I didn't see us really beating them uh, even on our best day this year. He just, Mike just uh, had a really good squad and he, he does a good job as a coach, but uh, we thought we had a chance when we got the hitman and you know, the way that we kind of backed our way into the playoffs uh, our team was very rejuvenated uh, on that Sunday uh, when the, when the Cyclones beat Twin City in overtime, and, and we you know got our final spot in the in the playoffs, and it was solidified. And we showed up to work uh, at the rink there on Monday. The, the team just had a different feel about it, and I really think we were going to make a deep run, and that was disappointing. But obviously, knowing what we know now, the right decisions were made. Um, and, and we have our health and, and, and my guys have their health. And I think that by keeping people separated during that time, it's, it's kind of helped to slow this thing down a little bit. And I think that you have to be appreciative of the measures that the league took to make sure that people were safe. I'll tell you, uh, just to jump in on that too, on that front, I mean, as somebody who was working on the side of two other major sports leagues who had to make decisions on this as well, I mean, to talk about how good the league office did with that, they, I mean, they were, they made a decision before some of the pro leagues made a decision. They, they stepped out, they got in front of it and made some of those tough calls. And I mean, it was just such an odd situation at the time. I mean, a once in a lifetime situation where there was no right answer at the time. Nobody really knew the full extent of it. And now as we see it today, hindsight is 2020 and, and obviously the, the right call was made. And, and coach Hankel, you, we look at your side of it. This is a team that last year, we talked about it, made that run. You guys were just 20 minutes away from raising the cup, right at the edge of it. You had a lot of returning players mixed in with some fresh new talents and new skates, and you guys seemed primed as well to potentially make a run. There was a time where about three weeks before the postseason, Lucas and I were talking, and I did say that I think it could be a pretty interesting title game if it was Connecticut v new hampshire and this is also one of the reasons why i put you both on the show today coach how do you feel about your squad at that time yeah i mean uh it was definitely um definitely an up and down year um but at the end of the day with regards to the situation at hand um you know there was a lot of talk uh behind the scenes and and with the coaching staff that were in um with commissioners and uh, trying to figure out, you know, is there a way to continue to play this? Is it safe? Is it smart? Um, you know, obviously the decision to, to end it uh, with all the information that we have at hand right now was, was probably the uh, smartest decision we could have made. There could have been a lot of things that came out of that situation uh, really poorly for uh, not only individuals, but for the league, um, especially with our proximity to New York city and the amount of people in our area that travel in and out mm -hmm. uh, of the city via train through Stanford. Uh, it's a real kind of hot spot where uh, if nothing was done, 
um, it, it really could have affected our players uh, negatively pretty quickly uh, had we had continued down. Um, you know, our building is not just a hockey rink. It's, it's an entertainment center. Um, a lot of people coming in and out every day with kids, uh, high traffic, um, tens of thousands of people walk through that building on a daily basis. And, um, you know, we would have put a lot of people in harm's way uh, to continue. Uh, with that being said, my kids were 100% on board. Um, when I went into the locker room uh, after our conversation that we had um, and, and told them that we were postponing until we had a better answer, uh, the look of devastation that came across their face uh, is something that I'll probably never forget. Um, they were geared up. They were eager. They were excited. Uh, you know, we, we had put some goals in place and we were starting to slowly obtain some of those goals. Uh, they were eager and excited to get the second season underway. Um, and then obviously with, with that happening and then, um, you know, the following week finding out, Hey, we're just going to shut it down altogether. We can't, we can't do this. This isn't right. Um, you know, kind of, kind of really changed it. I feel bad for a lot of those kids. Um, there's, I mean, I've, I still have a couple kids that were working on college wise, uh, that teams were going to come watch them in playoffs because they had generated some good stuff the second half of the season and they want to see them against, uh, playoff competition and see how they did, whether or not they would take them. Uh, so we're still working on some aspects of that and it's kind of taking some opportunity away there. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I've talked to each and every one of my players on the phone. They're all safe. Um, their families are safe. Uh, we've got one of our players is from Washington State. Um, so the area around them is is an area that's kind of one of the jumping off points in the United States for it. Um, fortunately, his family is, is safe and healthy. Uh, and then we have a lot of kids that are local. Uh, to the New York City proximity where it's really kind of been the epicenter of everything exploding in, in the States. Um, and they're all healthy. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's all I can really ask for is that everybody's healthy. Their families are healthy. They're all safe. Uh, it's a game. It, it stinks to have it happen the way it did um, and, and just kind of pull the rug out from underneath you. But when you start talking about some of these other people that are not as fortunate, um, then, you know, they have something to be grateful that they're going to be able to get up and have their health and go back to playing the game eventually at some point. Now, I mean, let's stay on the topic here of the current the current environment we're in, the, the COVID-19 world that we're living in right now in a game of hockey where everything's kind of shut down, everything's put on hold. And now we look at a, this show as a resource for a lot of the athletes out there, a lot of these players who may be free agents, maybe looking to, to be seen by coaches like yourself, recruiters throughout the hockey world, whether they're trying to get to the collegiate level or move up through the junior hockey ranks. Uh, Coach Brew, we'll start with you. I mean, what should I be doing right now if I'm that hockey player trying to be seen by a Coach Brew, trying to find my way to my next team? What Do you have any advice for a player or parents at home right now trying to navigate this new landscape that we're in? Sure. I mean, I think you got to be a self-advocate and you need to be active in controlling your destiny and your hockey future. You've got to be emailing coaches, sending videos, um, providing references that are, that are credible. Um, and, and you got to take advantage of the, of the downtime. It's, it's, 
you know, a, a unique opportunity to really fine tune your game in different ways. Um, and, and you can do that stuff at home, you know, by yourself. Um, and I think another thing is you've got to be honest in your self-assessment uh, and mention, you know, to a coach both your strengths and your weaknesses. I, I don't think you can be afraid to talk about holes in your game and things that you feel like you need to improve on and to work at because uh, a coach likes to hear both sides of it. You know, like a parent's going to tell you everything that, that your kid, the kid does great and, uh, you know, why they're the next uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, but if you, if you hear the other side of it, it, it resonates sometimes and you, and you go, all right, this kid really gets it. And, and, and then you can also go back and, and you have your opinion of the player and you go, yeah, I can see why he would say that, but this is something else that I think you might want to focus on as well. So there can be some harmony between uh, coaches and players. If, if there's open communication and you're not afraid to go into the dirty areas every once in a while and, you know, give somebody a little thing about yourself that's not necessarily perfect. So I think those are some things that players, you know, should be doing during this time. Now, Coach Hankel, same idea for you. I mean, uh, what advice do you have for a player, a parent, someone trying to navigate right now and find their next step in, in the junior hockey world? Uh, the, the, the first thing is take a deep breath and don't panic. Everybody's in the same situation you are. Um, you know, with, with this happening and everything being shut down everybody's in full-on panic mode how do i get in front of you how do i how do i get seen um, you know i can't go to a camp i'm gonna not gonna have a spot next year nobody's going to camp nobody's getting out in front of anybody uh at this particular point um do your homework right? so start investigating some of the leagues you're really interested in start investigating some of the programs uh that you're really interested in don't just say, hey, I want to go play for, you know, the Connecticut Junior Rangers because, you know, they've, they've had a good record for the last three, last three, four years, right? Do you even fit into that style as a player, right? So part of it is, is knowing yourself, like Coach Fru's talking about, uh, and then starting to piece together whether or not you fit into that program. Do you fit into that style of play? Will that style of play benefit you? Um, you know, if you're a dump and chase type of hockey player, well, you probably are not going to fit into certain teams in our league's scenario. Uh, if you're a, a kid that likes to overhandle the puck in the neutral zone, well, some teams you're not going to fit into in that regard either. Uh, so I think part of it is, is, is self-evaluation time. Uh, figure out where you're at. Uh, do your homework on your leagues that you're talking to teams in. Uh, and then those teams start doing your homework on whether or not you actually fit into that type of style of play. All the while, you know, don't just send out a highlight tape. Pull out a couple games that, you know, you had good plays, you had bad plays, and say, hey, listen, like, I'm on hockey TV for these games. If you get some time, you know, can you watch these? Uh, good references. Uh, a lot of kids nowadays have family advisors. Um, you know, does your advisor work for you, or does he just throw your name out? Um, you know, I get emails every day on kids. Hey, take a look at this kid. Hey, take a look at that kid. And then when you call the advisor, uh, some of the advisors are like, oh, we just started working with them. You know, we, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. Uh, so prepare yourself. Do your own homework. Uh, your advisor's there to advise and help. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're the one making the decision. You need to know where you're going and if it's going to be beneficial and worthwhile uh, for you to go to that particular team. 
Now, Coach Rue, let's get back into a little bit of New Hampshire Junior Monarchs talk. I mean, one big advantage you guys have up there at Tritown is is the atmosphere, the crowd, the tailgate out front. We got a chance to go up and tailgate with the fans. We've made friends with the entire Monarchs crew now. When we see them on the road, they're shouting at me, yelling at me about my predictions if I don't pick you guys each and every week. <laughs> now, talk a little bit about for a player at home, what can they expect when they when they get at the face-off circle at Setter Ice day one of the season next year with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs? Well, I mean, it's just a fun place to play. We've got great support uh, from our local community. Our billet families are, are, I mean, all teams' billet families are really the heart and soul of what you have, but ours are just exceptional. Um, they go above and beyond our, our you know, our uh, Alexis Thompson, who who does our community relations uh, she does a really good job with some fun promo nights. It gets a little wild. We have the uh, the mechanical bull. We we do a do- dollar hot dog and two dollar draft nights. Um, uh, the lady that helps run our cafe, which I think is you know second to to nobody in the league, Laurie Drew, uh, who does our food and beverage. She d- she runs some excellent promotions out of the calf as well, which you know, get people in the door and then stay there to, to watch the games. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to win. And, and I have a kind of a funny story uh, about it. A couple of years ago, I think it's our first year, we, we opened up uh, with the Boston Bandits at, at home and the place is just packed. It's, um, you know, a full house. There's not another seat in the building. Uh, and we get absolutely tomahawked. Uh, they just run us out of the rink. We lose the game. It's like 7-2 or 7-4 final. Um, we come back the next day and the, you know, the kids are pumped up. They, they're ready to show everybody what we can do. Um, but we got worked over so bad on opening night that we show up for game two and there's about 30 schools in the stands <laughs> and probably 10 or 12 girlfriends and some parents. And that was about it. And I said, why is it? Let it be a lesson. You know, you have to be actively involved in the community, which we are where, you know, they read to the kids in the elementary schools and make some good uh, connections with programs like make a wish. And, and we do the hockey buddy thing where the youth program kids get announced with our NCDC guys. But at the end of the day, if you don't win at home, they're not coming back. <laughs> That's exactly right. You tend, you tend to have to put the W's up there to keep bringing them in. And, and coach Hankel, we look at your side that one thing that I think sets your work apart as a coach on the bench and just first of all I've always loved kind of watching you at work on the road when we get a chance to go to these showcases or go to up to Stanford to see a home game for you guys and I kind of watch you at work there's a meticulous nature to what you do that is reminiscent to a John Tortorella or a, or even on the football side of Bill Belichick or, or a Nick Saban that that mindset where there's always there's always something cooking, you know. It might not always be on the surface, but underneath there, you've always got the next move. It, it's a game of chess for you out there, and I think that comes from your playing career. And you know, I, I as a player, as a as somebody who might be walking through this this environment for the first time, the fact that you were drafted by the Los Angeles Kings in the eighth round, an, an RPI college player, you you played in the EJ back in the day. You've kind of been through all the steps these guys are trying to take. How do you use that to, to benefit the players that come through your program and help kind of play that game of chess behind the bench? Well, I mean, it's we've all kind of been there and played and, and you've been through different scenarios. And, you know, you get into the coaching game, you're like, oh, I can do this. Um, but you, you kind of got to have a couple mentors that you can kind of dive into. And, and you know, I, I've been pretty fortunate in some of the people that I've played for uh, and worked with. Uh, 
two guys that come to the top of my my brain right now. Uh, Mike Havlin, who's now the head coach at Colorado College, uh, very uh, important in my development uh, before I ended up playing in the EJ. Uh, was fortunate enough to play for him in Atlantic City when we won the championship, was fortunate enough to play for him in the American League, um, and, and I learned a lot from him. Uh, part, of, uh, part of my passion and, and, and what goes into the way I coach was, was something I, I learned a lot from him. Um, he was a guy that you'd show up every day and you didn't want to let down, uh, and it was one of those things that you knew he put the time and effort in there were days that he would sleep at the rink watching video breaking everything down and you'd walk in and there'd be this massive equation on the board of stats and you try to decipher through it and you'd look at it and it, you'd go from one to the next and he'd walk in and have a meeting and he'd explain it in two minutes and you'd be like oh okay now mind you he probably slept for two hours as he wrote all that up went through the video countless times uh, you know, to generate that information. Um, but it, it, the passion uh, that, that he kind of put there uh, was one of those things that always stuck with me. And, you know, I, I, I always showed up to the rink eager and, and excited. Um, and I never wanted to let him down. It was one of those things that I just, you don't, you don't want to let him down. And you know, for me, Part of the working out, part of the, the video work we do, part of the, the communication I have with my kids is I want them to know that I'm passionate. I want them to know that I'm, I'm bought in. Uh, the other coach that uh, kind of instilled a lot in me, uh, Jim Ward, head coach at Connecticut College. I got to work beside him when I was done playing for two years and, and learned what it was like to be behind the bench. Uh, learned a lot of things about how to handle players in certain situations, good and bad. Uh, indifferent. Uh, sometimes it's you know, uh, pat on the back. Sometimes it's you know, you break out the ruler and go across the knuckles. Whatever you have to do to to get them uh, motivated. But it's all about learning. And when I was with Jim, I learned uh, how to learn about players and how to interact with players, um, all the while keeping the environment positive and pushing kids to be uh, better than they were yesterday. I love it. Love it. And, and it, it's so important to have that, right? I mean, you, to have that coach behind the bench that, that you feel has bought in, like we talked about that callback from earlier in the interview. I mean, it, it changes you as a player. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to run through a wall for this guy. And, and when you feel like he's not all in, it's, it's tough to be all in yourself. But you, you see that from both of your coaches. I mean, I, mean, I, I see it when I, when I head up to New Hampshire, when we see you coach through on the road. These guys enjoy what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not a chore. I never watch anybody dragging their bag into the building looking like they don't want to be there in a Connecticut Junior Ranger, a New Hampshire Junior Monarch jersey, in a, in a shirt out there. I mean, you just don't see it. And it, it's, honestly, it's honestly why you two are two of my favorite coaches in the game that we've come across. And, and I'll tell you, gentlemen, what you guys are doing with both of your programs, it is – it's amazing to watch coach Hankel in, in the last few years of you working behind the bench for the Connecticut junior Rangers to watch this team go from a team that at the youth level dominant all the time at the, at the junior hockey level, always in the mix, but there has been an, another step taken there with that organization in the last few years underneath your tutelage and leadership. And, and this is a perennial powerhouse. Now a team that each and every night 
teams are out there worried about playing you guys. They don't want to go into Stanford anymore and take that game. There's no, there's no automatic wins in that building. There are some automatic losses with the way your guys have played the last few years. And, and to watch that motor get going there has been incredible. Coach Brew, on your side of things, I mean, to see that, first of all, to lead the transition from one league to another, that is a difficult move. It, it Sometimes you, you you make some waves. Sometimes you got you have to deal with an entirely new landscape, entirely new teams you're playing against on a day-to-day basis. And to kind of see you navigate that even and come over and play against the, the likes of Sean Tremblay at the time when you first moved over, who you had worked with over there in New Hampshire. It's been incredible to watch your New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. I can guarantee you there is a trophy to be lifted in the next few years here in New Hampshire as well. Gentlemen, uh, that's it for me, Lucas. Do you have the, the closing question here before we, we close things out with the coaches? Well, I, I think on a, on a personal note, uh, you guys are, are definitely some of my favorite bench interviews in the game. Uh, and I am, I'm very excited to be, to be scrambling over players and bodies to try to get your thoughts mid game. Uh, you know, very, very soon, you know, definitely looking forward to that. Um, I would say maybe, maybe to close things out and we'll, we'll start with coach Fru and end with, with coach Henkel, you know, you, we always talk about kind of the off season as a, as a recharge. And we've talked about what, what players need to be doing in the off season, but you know, as coaches, what are some of the things that you're sort of looking forward to for next year? What's going to be that first thing that when it hits next season, you kind of go, all right, we are back in hockey mode. Uh, Well, for me, I think one of the things that's going to be real interesting is seeing which players took advantage uh, of this time off and, and, the players that didn't, um, you know, like it's real easy for kids right now to come up with an excuse as to why they can't, you know, continue to get better at their game, why they can't be in shape, the things that are holding them back. And then you have the other mindset um, uh, of the, the, the real hockey players. And, and they use this as an opportunity. And I can't wait to see the separation between uh, those two types of players and just getting back on the ice and, and, and smelling the rink and being around the guys like the uh, like I've got so much respect for for Jim Hankel uh, you know as a coach but more so just being able to you know run into him at the arena you know and and, and see your pal you know for a couple of hours before a game um, it, it's just being around the, the coaching staff seeing seeing you guys it's uh, it's an empty place right now and I'm just really looking forward to things kind of returning to what whatever the new normal is going to be uh, I'm really excited to get back into the arena yeah I think that's one thing that you know it's, it's interesting you when you say walking into the rink and you know seeing you seeing coach Hankel and just kind of being like hey how's everything been you know how's how's things you know kind of at home you start kind of catching up and you kind of miss that that personal personal interaction for sure uh, Coach Hankel, I'll turn it to you. What are you going to be kind of glad to see when it returns? What's going to be that first moment for you of, all right, hockey's back, we're back to business? Um, not really sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grateful uh, right now for this time being home. Um, typically, you know, Ryan can attest to this, but typically this is a busy season for us and we're not home very much uh, between you know, nationals, our own playoffs, you know, on the road recruiting, um, you know, at, at this particular point of the year, uh, we're, we're pretty hectic and it's go, go, go. And you don't get to see your family this that much at this time of the year. Um, I'm grateful for the time at home. Um, 
am I eager and excited to get going? Absolutely. Uh, being away from the rink is, is difficult uh, in all aspects. Um, probably in training camp, you know, like, like Coach Fru was saying, like people are going to say, oh, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do this. Um, those are all excuses. And there, there's a way to get better each and every day, whether you watch video of yourself, shoot pucks. Um, you can do as many push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups some way, shape, or form in your house. You can go for runs. You can go for bike rides. Um, there's plenty of stuff that you can be doing to be getting better. Um, but we all know that, that um, when, when you get back on the ice, and, you know, that first whistle to bring everybody back into the huddle to draw up your first drill, what you're going to do, that's probably going to be the moment where it's like, exhale, we're back, everything is somewhat normal, um, and, and it's go time. Yeah, I think you, uh, you, you just saying that, that, you know, blow the whistle, everybody gets back in the first huddle. I mean, that gave me chills. So I think that goes to show you that I might be, uh, I might be waiting for that to hear that first whistle kind of reverberate through a rink as well on my end. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things that it's, it's, it's uncertain times and it's, it's really awkward, uh, for a lot of people right now. And it's just, there's a lot of time and a lot of people don't know what to do at that time. And, you know, for, you know, coaches and athletes, it's, um, what do I do? How, how do I do this? And I think Ryan can, can jump in on this one as well. Uh, recruiting has become uh, enormously hard um, with phone conversations. <laughs> they get real awkward. They get, uh, they get really uh, off the beaten path. Um, and I mean, I had a full conversation one day of, about a family and, should they hire an advisor or not? And I'm like, that's your decision, not mine. I just want to know if the kid wants to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting time now recruiting because, you know, everything's shut down and there's, you know, there's nothing better than being able to recruit a kid face to face and actually seeing the expressions on his face to find out whether or not you really have a chance. Um, not only that, I think uh, the balance of uh, trying to make a, peanut butter and jelly sandwich for a two-year-old while teaching language arts to a fourth grader and talking to a 20-year-old about wanting to play for the New Hampshire Junior Mar Monarchs makes that a really interesting dynamic as well. Or, or hanging a zip line in your backyard for your 10 and 12-year-old because, you know, we've got nothing better to do and we have all the time in the world. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it's going to be injury central in the next couple of weeks here because, I, I mean, you're talking about zip lines there. I'm getting myself into trouble. I'm tripping over stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I need to be bubble wrapped at this point. When I start getting cabin fever, I start running through the walls. <laughs> but gentlemen, hey, we thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, obviously, this is the, the first of many podcasts here. The Dan K Show presents Junior Hockey. When we get back, ladies and gentlemen, Lucas is going to have a little bit of a, an academic corner. Lucas's educational moment of the day. Lucas, take it away. Thanks, Dan. Uh, you know, one of the one of the interesting things that we wanted to try to do on this show was, you know, not just really talk to players, parents, and and you know some coaches about the goings on in junior hockey, but be a, be a resource for people. And and you know, my other job is in academic tutoring. Uh, you know, I I've tutored and, and taught you know 
second, third grade students all the way up to high school and some college students as well. And one of the big focuses right now is standardized testing. And for a lot of junior hockey students, this is, you know, one of the biggest things. And even on some, on some uh, line charts, their ACT, SAT scores show up. Uh, so since this will be the first of many, we'll kind of start off uh, very generally. And it's an easy idea that junior hockey players are already used to. And it's you have to practice like you play. That's the biggest thing. Practice like you play. It doesn't just work on the ice. It works off the ice too. So when you're studying your material, when you're working through those practice problems, you have to identify the parts of your game that need work. You have to identify the parts of your standardized testing curriculums that need work. And then when you apply those skills on practice problems, you have to do it as close to the real thing as possible. These standardized tests, often in the early morning, they often last for a long time. You've got the SAT that's close to four hours, the ACT that's a little bit closer to that three-hour mark. Don't think that you're going to be able to just put in 10 minutes of time a day for these different types of academic tests. You need to put in the work a couple of hours a time, wake up early, get it done, practice like you play. It doesn't just work on the hockey rink. It also works in the classroom. Now, gentlemen, we close this show out the way we close every Dan K show. It's with parting words. And we all know that Lucas's parting words are always uh, concise, short, nothing at times. Sometimes it's an audible grunt. But gentlemen, I mean, as our first ever guest in the Dan K show, I want to give you each parting words. So Coach Fru, we'll start with you, your parting words. It could be anything at all, a tale, a story, a fun quip, a quote. Maybe just something about life right now or talk to the folks at home. What are your parting words for today's Dan K show? Yeah, I just want to wish everybody, you know, health right now and to, you know, kind of remind everybody that my eight-year-old taught it best when he said, uh, this is a, you know, a time that we need to come together and stay together and we're kind of all in this thing together. So I think it's probably the most appropriate that the eight-year-old did a teaching in this house. <laughs> Uh, Coach Hankel, how about yourself? Your parting words for the first ever Dan K. Show presents Junior High. Stop being lazy. Go out and get a book. Read something. I love it. That was Lucas <laughs> to a T right there. Hit it on the head. By David Goggins. Okay, got it. You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I mean, usually the books I read, uh, they only involve rhyming. Uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. One of my faves. Uh, big time, big time. Are you my mother guy as well? I mean, you want to talk about a book that's a roller coaster ride of emotions? Are you my mother by uh, Dr. Seuss? He has a doctor. There you go, <laughs> Lucas. Your parting words for today's show. Look at that. Great job, Lucas. It even plays without a video. Perfect job. Thank you for watching this week's podcast. Tune in each and every Thursday. To the Dan K Show presents Junior Hockey. We'd like to thank Coach Jim Hankel of the Connecticut Junior Rangers NCDC team and Coach Ryan Fru of the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs NCDC team for joining us. Uh, we'd like to thank you guys for appearing on this week's show. And remember, when Dan K's on a mic, it's always Hockey Night.